0: Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to SOMA's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. We've been in a series called Overflow. And Overflow was uh, just the idea is just, hey, let's spend some time talking about the fruits of the Spirit. What does that even mean? Um, Paul tells us in Galatians five, that God does a work on the inside of us. And the same God that saves you is the same one that transforms you. The same God who brings you salvation also brings you sanctification. And if he, if, you know, if you're in relationship with him, he's going to make you look more like the person of Jesus over, over the course of time. And yet there is um, a part that we have to play in this to cultivate the fruits of the spirit. And it's basically just obedience. It's just doing, he talks about keeping in step with the spirit in Galatians. And he says, you know, this is like, if, if you can't just will yourself to look more like love or joy or peace or some of these fruits, he's like, listen, you have to give God's going to give you an opportunity to be patient. And then you trust him. Then you apply it. And then you grow in patience. Right. And the same thing is true for all the fruits. So, the Galatians 5, through 23, it says this, and we'll read this passage, we'll get started. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this week we're talking about gentleness. We're talking about gentleness and uh, we don't hear a lot about gentleness and, and we're not even necessarily, it's kind of one of the fruits of the Spirit, it's just, you know, it's just kind of in there. Like some of us even forgot that it was in there. We sing the song, love, joy, peace, self-control, you know what I mean? Like we just kind of breeze past it. And gentleness is one of those things too, where we, um, we, uh, we assume it's weakness. So we guys, especially we're like gentle. No, I'm a, I'm a dude. Don't be rough. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna be gentle, but gentleness is not that gentleness is strength under control. A gentle person isn't, isn't driven by or controlled by necessarily their emotions or overreacting or things like that. A gentle person has strength under control. I remember growing up, uh, we were pet people. I don't know if we got any pet people in the house. I know some of y'all are crazy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Woo, pets. Let's go. We had every pet imagine. Like, we have a dog now. Love our dog, Winnie. Golden Doodle. Shout out to the Golden Doodle people. Um, but once he dies... I'm retired from animals. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, but, but we had every pet, we had like parakeets and I rescued a rabbit one time. My parents let me keep that thing. And we had like cats just roll up and we kept them and we had every dog, you know, and then we had fish and a turtle and just every pet you can imagine, including a hamster, We called him scamper and we had, my, my sister was three years younger than me and, uh, two, three years younger than me, two and a half. Okay. So, uh, but she was, she was younger and she would get so excited to hold scamper. And when she held scamper, his little eyeballs, his little eyeballs were like bulge a little bit. We're like, Whoa, you know what I mean? Like calm down. Like, cause you're about, he's about to explode. You know what I mean? So she was just so excited and we would always say, be gentle, be gentle we weren't saying you're weak. We were saying you will kill that thing if you're not just like is it when you have kids, you know, like, for, you know, aunts, uncles, people, somebody has a baby in your family. And then some of the older kids come and they want to hold the baby. What do you say when you hand that baby over? Be gentle is what you said. Be gentle. Right. Yeah. You may say, ah, too. Right. But the, the whole idea is this. It comes from this word, this Greek word in scripture, and it's Proutus. Proutus, and it, it sounds Italian, but it's, it's Greek. And so it's just, a, it's a, in the old translations of your Bible, if you have an older English translation, it will substitute gentleness and meekness. So meekness will show up in Scripture. It's the same thing. But basically, this is the original word. And the original word, here's what it means it means that there's a stallion, a wild stallion, that's now been tamed for the use of the master. That's what that word means. And so you have this wild horse, crazy, strong, beautiful wild horse out, in, out in, in the wild, and someone goes, gets the horse, brings it back, tames it, and now it's fit for use uh, for the master. And so uh, it's not saying that you're weak. It's saying, hey, you're a horse. You could still kick a hole through that person. You know what I mean? You still kick them through the wall, like? but you're, but you're, but you're tamed now, so you're fit for use uh, for the master. And so strength under control is what that's talking about. It means we don't overreact. We're not controlled by emotions. We're gentle. Again, this is, uh, this is what God gives us, and, and he gives us, as he, as he develops us in this, he gives us opportunity, just like every other fruit of the Spirit, to put this on and grow in it. So what, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about some of the benefits and really some of what we see biblically, like what does gentleness look like and what are those benefits to us as believers, if you're taking notes I got a lot to throw at you, but I'm going to get through it. So gentleness diffuses conflict. According to scripture, gentleness diffuses conflict. If you're someone who's primarily struggling with conflict, grow in the area of gentleness. This is Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Why is that? Why is it when I'm angry and I'm upset And then someone that I'm just like ready to unleash on and then they give me a general response and it just diffuses anger. Um, We have this tendency to mimic the behavior of the people that we're around. So you chameleon, I chameleon to whatever degree that you chameleon to the point that you'll start talking. Your mannerisms will reflect the people that you're hanging out with. I don't know if you've ever had this or not, but like you'll start, like if they have a dialect, all of a sudden you have like a thick dialect. It's like, what I'm not even British. Like what is happening? But it's just, it's, it's like we have, we have built in our brains, mirror neurons. God's just designed us. We have these mirror neurons and what that, they allow us to sympathize and then mirror back what other people are feeling. But also unchecked, people who are angry at you. Now I'm angry back at you. I didn't even think I was angry until you got angry at me. Now I'm angry, you know. And or people who are depressed and they're just walking around like mopey and depressed. And you just hang out with those people long enough, and all of a sudden you're depressed. Like right? you're just like, oh, I need to pick me up. I need somebody to come in with some energy and some joy and some laughter. If you hang out with people like that, what happens? You get lighter, right? So begin to mirror the people around you. And so the Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. If someone's angry, someone's responding to you in wrath, hey, give them a gentle response. And then watch how they, they're like weirded out by that. They're like, it diffuses the situation. So application is like when other people are raising their voice at you just talk softer and slower. And, 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 and just be hyperbolic with it. They're just like screaming at you. It's like, hey, man, everything's, we're good. Like everything, you know. And then watch what happens to them. It deescalates the situation. And so strength under control means you're, it means you're not responding emotion with emotion, but you're managing your response. This is Ecclesiastes 10, verse 4. I love this verse. It says, if your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. It's so great. It's just like, hey, boss comes in, flies off the handle one day. Ecclesiastes 10.4 is like, listen, people in authority over you, they're going to they're gonna step in it sometimes. You don't know what they brought into the room. You don't know what phone call they got before that meeting. You don't know what they're struggling with personally. You don't know all the, you don't know all the things. Here's what you do. You respond to whatever anger, whatever frustration, whatever wrath is directed towards you. You just happen to be the unfortunate soul who's in the room at the time. Like respond in gentleness. And then what happens over time is it just diffuses the situation. And it says uh, a quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. I've had bosses before who st- struggle with the area of gentleness, and they would just be harsh, and they would be angry, and they would be upset. And, and the goal, my goal always in those moments was to not say anything that I was going to have to go back and apologize for later. I was just like, I just don't want to say anything. I just don't really want to apologize to you. So I'm just going to like, I'm going to be gentle as I can in this moment. And then they would have to always come back and be like, I'm sorry. I'm a more, I'm like, okay. So, you know? And so just be, the, the goal should be, Hey, be gentle, diffuse the situation. And, um, and so it not only diffuses anger, but gentleness also disarms your critics. So, um, uh, the, the more you and I make an impact on the people around us, the more you're stayed to your convictions, the more you stand for what you believe, and really the more you accomplish in life, the more critics you have. If you, if you don't have any critics, you're not saying anything or doing anything. If people aren't critical, of, just, you're not doing anything. You're, and so uh, how do we handle the critics, those who gossip about you, malign against you? When you respond in gentleness to those who criticize you, it disarms them because the expectation is that you would respond in kind. It just catches people off guard, like it it like they're angry and they're upset, and you're like, "Hey, I'm I'm good." Like I, you know they're like, "What? What are you talking about?" Like people people blow you up on social media or in a text feed or even to your face. So they're trying to confront you and fight you, and if you're just gentle back, they don't know what to do with that because they're like, "No, I'm trying to bait you right now, and you're not taking the bait." And I want you to like, I want this thing to escalate, but you're not going there with me. This is 1 Corinthians 4.13. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. We respond gently when evil things are said about us. So we don't retaliate. We don't get back. If someone hurts you, that puts, that puts them below you. And then if you respond in kind, which is what most of us wants to do, vengeance, if, if we respond in kind, then now I'm, on the, I'm on the same level that you're on. But if I respond gently, with gentleness, it actually makes me the Bible says, morally superior. I mean, I have a elevated perspective, and I'm, all of a sudden I begin to operate the way that God operates, about offenses, and, and so man, thank God we have a gentle God who, when I say, do think, go place like when, when you and I are in sin, he's gentle. He's so gentle, so much strength. And yet his response is gentleness. Titus 2, 7 through 8, it says this. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that a, an opportunity may be put, uh, so that an opponent, excuse me, may be put to shame, have having nothing evil to say about us. Basically, the the biblical mandate is, hey, make sure your messaging, like when you're carrying the message and the good news of who Jesus is, it is wrapped in gentleness because there's just no opposition to that. There's, there's no opposition to it. There's there's multiple passages in scripture that forbid pastoral leadership or just really any leadership in the church. Um to argue with others, and that is super humbling for me, so pray for your boy, but it, but also just really it 's really not just the thought is oh that 's vocational ministry or people who work in a church. No this is the mature follower of Christ. This is what it means in 2 timothy two twenty four through twenty five the lord 's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must, must be kind to everyone, able to teach not resentful opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And so basically it's like, listen, as you carry the message, you cannot, you have to package it in a way that's super gentle. And so you can't have, you know, people who don't share your convictions or your faith, unbelieving friends or family or coworkers or whatever. And you're just after them in an angry way. It's like, no, be gentle with them. Be kind to everyone, gently instructing them. So, um if someone again calls you out on social media or someone responds to you in an unkind way someone's trying to pick a fight with you gentleness is strength under control it's an elevated way of thinking about people and situations and so here's what we ask for god give me a tough skin and a tender heart help criticisms to just roll off of my back right and so like you've heard it said before like don't let flattery go to your head and don't let criticisms go to your heart just let like man if you'll just give me tough skin But also, if you'll help me to have compassion for people and a real empathy for people. So if I can control the parts of me that wants to respond in an angry way, I can actually build empathy as I'm closer to people. Gentleness doesn't respond to others the way that they respond to you. And so it disarms the critics. People don't know what to do with it. But it also, gentleness is persuasive. And I like this one. As someone who's primarily who 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 likes getting his way. Gentleness is persuasive, okay? So there's a little hack for everybody who's in sales. And really we're all in sales to some degree. You're selling something. Okay. So here's how to be persuasive. To be gentle is what the Bible says. Um when someone have you ever been like at a retail store, you've been out and and like people who are selling things just come at you really hard. And, and it's just like you could see him coming like you're walking to that store and you see that brother who's on commission. He is just running at you you're like, nope, I'm good. You walk right out. You're like, I'm because it's just I don't I don't want it anymore. I don't want it. If I pull into the lot and I just get sworn, I'm like, I just want to look at the cars, man. I don't really, you know, it's like take a gentle approach. I had a guy call Cole call me one time. And he um, he was selling packages like it was cable and internet and phone or whatever the thing was a few years ago, and was just like crazy aggressive. And I told him I was like, man, we're good, we're all good. And he's like, sir, let me tell you about the you know. He just kept at it, which I appreciate persistence. But then he said, sir, do you not want to save money? And I was like, bro, let me tell you about Jesus. I was about to like I was I, I mean I was and so and I said, my man. No, you were trying to make me spend, like literally what I'm doing right now is you, you've told me that I'm going to spend more money than I'm spending currently. Anyway, it's frustrating. So if you come at me hard, I just don't want, I don't want to buy it. And so here's what, here's what Proverbs 25, 15 says. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. I love the message translation. It says patient persistence. Pierces through indifference and a gentle speech, it breaks down rigid defenses. It's really good. You can sell sell a lot of things with gentleness. And so if you're a parent and you're trying to get your kids to do a specific thing, I know the gut, I know the flesh in me just wants to like scream at you. uh, And sometimes that happens. But like the but like what would work better is if I'm gentle. Because, like, nobody ever was excited to do something for someone who was just yelling at them, right? Your spouse, your kids, your coworker, anybody. It's just like, hey, if I take a gentle approach. Um, same is true of the gospel. So you and I have to have some tact when we're sharing our convictions with people. What if you came to SOMA every week and all I ever did was just yell at you about how jacked up you are? This is actually some people's religious experience, by the way. But, like, what if you just came and I literally was just, like, beating you upside the head, yelling at you about um, how garbage you are. Um, the, nobody like, that's not nobody. That's not a gospel that first of all, it's not the gospel. Second of all, it's like not affected, like doesn't work. Right. And, and people, people, it's just, uh, you already feel those things. Like, I don't have to do that. The Holy spirit will do it for me. I just read the Bible and you're like, Oh, like I, so I, my, my approach should be a gentle one. Your approach should be a gentle one. Um, and it tears down walls. The Bible says, so, We, you guys will lean in, listen, uh, and then God does the heavy lifting when it comes to his word. Holy spirit gives us application for what he's already said. And so it's just a gentle approach. This is what we see in the life of Christ is what we see in the gospels. Paul says be gentle. And so Proverbs 25, 15, look at that same passage a different way. It says this patience and gentle talk can convince a ruler and overcome any problem. So, uh, and when it's, when the Bible, when your Bible refers to ruler or something like that, you and I, we don't operate with the same kind of, you know, governance, we, we're in a democracy. We don't have Kings and Queens and rulers in the same way, but we have bosses. We have people of authority over our lives. And basically what the Bible is saying, patience and gentle talk can convince your boss and overcome any problem. Proverbs sixteen twenty one: the wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. If you want to convince someone of something you need to do it in a way that's gentle, is what the Bible says, and so gentleness is persuasive, but it's also attractive. Gentleness is attractive, and so this is just relationship advice. You know how like you're super gentle and gentle in dating season. Remember back to dating season. Everybody who's married, you're like so gentle. Had like phone voice. You know what I'm talking about? Hey babe, uh, hey. Like everything's so gentle. And then it's so it's like, but but you are because you're pursuing one another, and uh, and and so like that's what that that's what that is. Gentleness is attractive. First Timothy six eleven it says, but you Timothy, this is Paul talking to Timothy. You're a man of God. Pursue righteousness in a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Men, we have to grow in the area of gentleness period makes me think of uh Boaz in the Old Testament if y'all remember like in the book of Ruth and so Boaz he's a leader and business owner and God's doing pretty good for himself and he has this field and he looks out in the field and there's just a bunch of poor people who are gleaning from his crops so they've already harvested the crops there's some people who are poor out in the field And uh, one of the ones who's out in the middle of the field is this lady named Ruth. And so he is, you know, servants and people are like, hey, everybody's like taking our stuff. You know, he goes out to inspect and he meets Ruth and he's super kind to Ruth, like super gentle. And he learns that she's out in this field because her husband had died. And now she's taking care of her mother-in-law, even though legally she doesn't have to. She just knows this is the right thing to do is what God wants her to do. And... And she's broke. I mean, she's poor out, just picking up this dude's leftovers. And he's super kind to her. And he's comforting her. He's gentle. His approach is super gentle in this passage. And and here's her response. It says this in Ruth 2, 13 through 14. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I'm not one of your workers. And so he says, hey, take whatever you need. And then it was time to eat. He invited her to come eat. And so at mealtime, Boaz called her. And say, come on over here, girl. He didn't say that, but that's how I read it. Come here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. Mm. So he he's just like got a little oil, a little vinegar. This ain't carabas, but you know what I'm saying, girl? Get over here. Hey. And, and he's just like super gentle, super gentle approach. And then verse 14 says this. So she sat. With his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. Look at this. She ate all she wanted, and she still had some left over. He's like, girl, take a box home. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so it's just a gentle approach. And, and here's why it matters, because this is the beginning of the relationship. Uh, His approach, his gentle approach, is what what it allows for their future relationship, their marriage, and all that God was going to do in it. Why does any of this matter? Because it's in the Bible and because Ruth, what's wild is Ruth is uh, not even Jewish. And so if you read Matthew chapter 1, it gives you the genealogy of Jesus. There's four women who get named in the genealogy of Jesus, one of which is Ruth, Grandma Ruth. She's not even Jewish, but God told Boaz, hey, that's your girl, and he's like, she's not Jewish. He's like, I know, just roll with it. And so, uh, and so, because of Boaz and because of Ruth, like, and their marriage, they are one of the marriages that God used to bring us to the Messiah. As a matter of fact, Ruth has a grandson. Grandson's name, King David. And and it's just crazy to think all of this happens because my man Boaz takes a gentle approach. God uses that to open up doors. And so, all uh, here's here's the takeaway. Um, if Boaz in this moment would have been ruthless, he would have been ruthless. Come on. All right. So that's like, it's my dad joke for the day. Write that down. Tweet that. No. All right. Here we go. So, so that's for the guys. Fellas, we got to grow in the area of gentleness. Women as well, we, we have to grow in gentleness as well. This is First Peter 3, 4. You should clothe, your, clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. It's just the idea, and this is true for men and women, that beauty fades. And, you know, we try our best <laughs> to hold on to it as long as we can. Some of us are better than others. But, like, it just ultimately, at the end of the day, over the course of your life, we're investing. Don't The Bible's just saying, don't invest so much time, headspace, energy on things that are just ultimately going to fade. Instead of... Why don't you spend your time, your energy, your, your, your mentality on the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit? Why? It's precious to God. And also all the other benefits that are attached to gentleness. And so um, focus on this characteristic of a gentle spirit. So gentleness is attractive, but gentleness is also, it communicates love. These go together. But it diffuses conflict, disarms critics, it's persuasive, it's attractive, and it communicates love. This is the Bible, Colossians three nineteen. Husbands, love your wives and be gentle with them. Which is, it gives like a, it gives a, there's this equation like, hey, loving your wives looks like being gentle with them. It's defining love as gentleness here in Colossians 3. The idea is that any fool can be selfish, any fool can be rough, any fool can be rude. It takes intentionality and surrender to, uh, to just hand God over to your own wrath. Again, let him tame you so that when you're in that argument or you're frustrated, instead of saying the thing that, you know, is going to hurt is going to cut is going to escalate. You just go, all right, Holy spirit, I need you to give me words. And if you don't give you words, don't say any, just stand there. You know What I'm saying just like pray just, but, but the idea is like, instead of, instead of just, operating in wrath, like, would you give me over to a gentle spirit, which is not natural for any of us. Some of us struggle with this more than others. We all struggle in different ways, but it's not natural for any single one of us to be gentle. And so it's, again, it's a fruit of the spirit. God, you have to do this work on the inside of me. This is Ephesians 6, 4. Talks about the relationship between fathers and our children. It says, Don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. There is a way to discipline, there's a way to lead, there's a way to instruct that's not in wrath, not anger. Again, if you're primary, if that's, if that's something you struggle with, this message is for you, is for all of us. So, gentleness, it, it, um, it communicates love, but gentleness also earns respect. It earns respect. This is Proverbs eleven sixteen. A woman of gentle grace gets respect. It's just it's just there. It's just true. And so it reminds me, we uh this past week, we watched a documentary with our kids. Brooke, she's been wanting to watch this for a while. It's the Mother Teresa documentary. It came out last year. She loves Mother Teresa. It's one of her heroes, which will tell you a lot about Brooke. So, but she We're just watching this and hearing these accounts from different people. This little little lady's like, she's like four and a half foot, five foot tall. And yet everybody was like commanding presence. Like she could walk into parliament or go into Congress and every power broker's head is just like, everybody's humbled in that moment. Why? Because gentleness earns respect. That's why. And I think about one of the greatest presidents, really my favorite in all of our history as a nation. I'm reading this book called Team of Rivals. Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote it, and it's like a great leadership read, but it's about Abraham Lincoln and his presidency. And overwhelmingly marked by gentleness, strength under control, every opportunity to put people on blast, every opportunity to respond in kind. As a matter of fact, he builds his cabinet with people who who didn't really like him that much. One guy in particular who just hated that dude would talk all kinds of junk. And yet, uh, for Lincoln, um, he wasn't motivated by vengeance, but by victory and how gracious he was after the union army defeated the Confederate army. He had this plan. His response was one of gentleness. People were like, Hey, what are you going to do with the South or the Confederacy? Now that the war is over. He's like, I'm going to be gentle. We're going to be a nation again. We're going to bring it back together. We're going to, we're going to extend grace. We're going to do what we have to do to come together. And so that's strength under control. Has every power that you could do anything he wants. What, what do you do to bring people together? So gentleness is a prerequisite to become a great leader. If you want to lead in any area at all uh, and be great in any area at all, gentleness is so key. And obviously Jesus is the greatest example of this in all of scripture. And so uh, he's the gold standard and the clearest mark of what gentleness should look like. And, and so think about Christ who literally is on the cross dying for our sins and asking for the forgiveness of those who put him on the cross. Strength under control. Talking about God in human flesh who could do anything, you know, in terms like nobody's ever been more powerful. And, so, and yet he leverages all of his strength and his power not for his own benefit but for ours. And so that's what it means to be gentle. Uh, He has strength under control and offers his life for our salvation. If you want to be a leader in any area, you have to learn to grow in gentleness. Every great leader is a gentle leader. I'm thinking about Rehoboam, the story of Rehoboam in Scripture. And so King David uh, in the Old Testament, he consolidates all 12 tribes of Israel. And Israel's never experienced greater strength or, or greater power up to this point as the people of God. And so he brings everybody together. King David, yeah, Solomon, right after him. You know what he does? Expands the kingdom. Nobody's ever been wiser, richer, wealthier, greater influence. Expands the kingdom. And then Solomon hands the throne over to his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam's a young leader. And so, and he's got a high bar. His granddaddy is David and his dad is Solomon. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, all right. So he goes, he takes the right approach initially. He goes to the elders of Israel and he says, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, right? I am a young leader and I really don't want to jack this up because, again, my dad is Solomon and my granddad is David and I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? So he goes to the elders and, and here's the advice that the elders give him in scripture. They say, genuinely serve the people of God. Here's, here's, how you, here's how you lead these people. Here's how you keep everybody together. Here's how you grow and expand the kingdom. Genuinely serve them and show that you're there to meet their needs and then always speak gently to them. That's what they said. These are elders. These are older people, wise, sage people. And he's like, cool, okay, speak gently, be authentic, like care for people, serve people, speak gently. Okay, cool. And then he decides to go and get direction from his peers, his younger, his younger peers. So he goes and he says, hey, what do you think I should do as a leader of this nation? You guys are young and dumb. What do you guys think? And here's what they say. They say, you have to prove that you have a right to authority. You have to be tough and demanding and you got to let everybody know that you're in charge. You got to let them know you're in charge. And any time that you have to let people know that you're in charge, you are not in charge. Okay? So if you have to go and be like, "I am the leader." Like you're not a, leaders have followers. It's just like you, you know, and leaders are servants. And so um and so he he followed their advice and then the whole nation rebels. The whole nation rebels and chaos sets in, an eventual civil war. Ten out of the twelve tribes split and and start a new kingdom. And the greatest days of Israel are behind them because he did not speak to the people with gentleness. That's how important it is. And and now, sadly, Rehoboam is like that dude that jacked it up. You know what I mean? It's like David, Solomon. Oh, man. Like So so gentleness is so important. Gentleness earns respect. Gentleness also witnesses to unbelievers. This is Titus 3.2. Believers shouldn't curse anyone or be quarrelsome, but they should be gentle and show courtesy to who? Everyone. Not people who share your convictions. Not people who look like you or have your same lived experience. Not people who have even your same dial-in on doctrine or theology. Not people. Everyone. The best way for you and I to become great at carrying the message and the hope of Jesus is to become better at being gentle with people. And part of that gentleness is just an authenticity that God's going to give us over to when we realize that, hey, we're sinners and we need Jesus just like you need Jesus. And I may be further along in that process, but it's still a process. And I just need i need salvation and I need sanctification. It's God's work. I need it. You need it. And just take that approach. The best way for us to become a great evangelist is to shrink the gap between who we are in public and who we are in private, who we say we are and kind of the, the lip service that we give to the things of God versus who we are when nobody else is around. We've got to shrink that gap. We've got to shrink it. And the, the reason why we lack revival and the, and the reason why we struggle, I think personal revival, our families, and also our, our church is because this has some distance between who we say we are or what we would, what we would speak about or even what we would mentally assent to in the way our lives look. We just got to shrink that gap. And so, um, and it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It just means God's going to grow us in that. And as he does, it, again, just realizing that you're a work in progress, progress makes you more gentle. Like you haven't arrived. And matter of fact, the people I know who are most spiritually mature, who are most like Jesus, are also the most humble people. They're the most gentle people. They don't pretend like they have everything together or that they're perfect or that they've arrived. They're just quick to uh, extend grace to people. So if we obey this verse in Titus 3, 2, just a heads up, to other people, other religious people, highly religious people, are going to come at you and critique you because they're going to say you're, you're, you're not stayed in your convictions, Right? They're going to criticize you because they're going to say you're compromising your convictions. And so if we're gentle to everyone, regardless of who they are, here's what that looks like. It means I'm gentle to the Republican and I'm gentle to the Democrat and I'm gentle to the independent and I'm gentle to the gay and I'm gentle to gentle to the one with the unique pronoun and I'm gentle to the liberal and the conservative and I'm gentle to the one who shares your faith and the one who doesn't. I'm gentle to the atheist. I'm gentle to the agnostic. I'm gentle to the Muslim and the Jew and the Buddhist. It doesn't mean I change my message. It just means that I can be stayed in my convictions and gentle at the same time. And you and I are called to be gentle with everyone. This is First Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to share Jesus with everybody. He's like, don't don't take a hit on message. But then he says this. Right after he says that, he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so I think think it would transform our community and our nation and our world if we would always be ready. Because some of us aren't ready. Some of us haven't taken the time to even write down or think about, what has God even done for my life? What is my testimony? Where am I at in my own faith? Am I even ready to share, like, the hope that I have in Jesus? Um, do I do religious things or do I, like, actually have a personal relationship? Am I ready to share that hope? And, and when I am, am I gentle? Like, this isn't like a game of logic where I'm trying to make somebody feel stupid. I'm just trying to lead people to Christ. That's what I'm trying to do. So be gentle and respect, to, and respect everybody. And so gentleness witnesses to unbelievers. But gentleness here's the last one. Gentleness makes me like Jesus, makes you like Jesus. This is the goal. Matthew eleven twenty eight through twenty nine. Jesus says, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest." for your souls. What does this mean? Does this mean that if we want to be like Jesus, I have to be gentle like Jesus? Yes. You can't be like Jesus and not be gentle. Is it is it possible that the stress in my life and the heavy load and the hard things that I've been dealing with is a product of me not being gentle and humble? Yes. That's exactly what it's saying. The Bible says, the more gentle you become, the more Christ-like you become and the more peace you have and the more rest you get that's a promise that's a pro- I want to grab hold of that I'm, I'm growing in this area just like everybody else and, and I think again it's primarily a work of the Holy Spirit this cannot be something that you're trying to do in your own strength and you're like I'm just going to be more gentle no you won't Right? I can't be more patient I'm going to be more loving Like, no I have to like pray and ask God to make me what I can't make me in my own strength I have to surrender and you have to surrender and go I can't do it I am angry. I am frustrated consistently. I am one who desires control. Can you make me more gentle? He's like, yep, I can. And then what happens over time is he gives you an opportunity to be gentle. And then he goes, all right, here's a chance to level up. Do you trust me? And in that moment, I have an opportunity to say what I feel in my flesh or have an opportunity to go, I trust you. And then, I, and then I, grow, I grow in gentleness because I'm doing what he asked me to do. Instead of what I feel like doing, I'm doing the things that I know, all the benefits of gentleness that we've already talked about, it begins to take effect in my life. Because, again, Galatians 5, it says this, the fruit of the, the, fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. This is not my work. This is God's work. God does this work in and through us. And this should be our prayer that we would just come to God and say, hey, God, I need you to make me more gentle Make me more aware of the times that I'm not, Make me aware of the opportunities to grow in it, and then give me the courage of conviction to actually change in this area. I need to repent. I need to change the way that I think about gentleness. It's not weakness, strength under control, and if anything, it's great power to take everything that I could do, put it on the shelf and go, I care more about you. I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want, to, I want to respond in a way that you didn't respond to me. I want to be gentle in this moment. This should be our prayer. This is Galatians 6.1. one. I keep reading on in that same passage. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, how? Gently. Sometimes we're really good in church world of just like shooting ourselves like in, in the church and, and just acting like we have it all together when somebody steps in. Instead of restoring people gently, We're quick to write people off, except that's not the gospel. And so restore people gently, but watch yourself so that you may also also be tempted. Hey, be careful because you're human too. You're going to struggle with some things, but man, let's restore people gently. And then Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. gives definition to what gentleness looks like in Jesus. Make a clean break from all cutting and backbiting and profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Be gentle with one another. This is what God's asking us to do and what Paul gives us commentary of in Ephesians 4. Um, And because why? Because this is what Jesus does for us. Again, Jesus is the fullness of every fruit of the Spirit. If you want to see what gentleness looks like, here is God in human flesh. Who doesn't think about exhaust lean on flex the fact that he has every power available to him and yet he lays all of it down for our benefit strength under control people are mocking him people are i think about the moment that jesus is in the garden and he's praying and this is hours before his death and i think about judas comes up with some soldiers and they go to arrest him and Judas comes up and he kisses Jesus on the cheek and, he's, and this is the way for him to signal to the soldiers, this is rabbi, this is the one that you're after. And Jesus looks at him, he says, Judas, you betray the son of a man with kiss. And I'm thinking, and that, that would not have been my response in that moment. And yet such control. I think about Peter who lashes out, cuts off a guard's ear in gentleness. He picks it up, puts the ear back on like, his whole response during Passion Week is nothing but gentleness. He's standing in front of Pilate. He's standing in front of the people. He could do anything, and he just takes it on the chin. And he responds, not in kind, but he just gives us what we don't deserve, which is what gentleness is. It is strength under control, giving people what they don't deserve, and it preaches such a great message. And why do we do it? Because this is what God does, God does for us in Christ. And so... Um, I want you to think about that today. I want you to ask, like, Holy Spirit, would you help me to see all the areas of my life as a dangerous prayer? He will show you. Help me to see all the the places of my life that I struggle in the area of gentleness. And would you help me to take inventory of that? And would you give me an opportunity to grow in it? And would you give me the courage of conviction to actually change in this area? I want to look more like Jesus in the area of gentleness. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the gift that is your character trait, your virtue, gentleness, that just, Jesus, you are the fullness of that. And our prayer is that you would help us to become more like you in this area. So help us to do some soul searching this morning, some inventory of all the areas that we struggle with this. And and for the person who's here and you have, man, you know, This this one was for you. You're like, man, I am wrathful, and I feel like I'm in constant conflict, and I lack the type of peace and rest that's attached to that promise that Jesus gives to us. When we are gentle, I know I need this for my life. I promise you, if you draw near, if you pursue, if you ask, if you knock, if you seek, he will give you over to it. You have to pursue it. You have to want it. You have to go through a process, and it's like, I don't know if I want to go through that. You do want that. You want all of the benefits attached to gentleness, including becoming more like Christ so that you can actually share the message and the hope that he's given you over to in in the salvation that you have and, and in the future hope of heaven. But, man, it's just not enough. Don't settle for less than what Jesus paid for. He paid for you to be gentle. And if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus You've never gone all in. You've only given parts and pieces or done religious activity. You've heard about Jesus. You've been in church space, but you've never really fully surrendered your life to him. Like I'm talking about fully surrender, like I'm going all in. God, you have my relationships, and you have my time, and you have my talent, and my treasure, and you have my like every aspect of who I am, and even the hard things that I've just wrestled with and kind of held on to for the longest time. God, I want to lay all of that down at your feet, and I want everything that you have for me. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to confess Jesus as Lord. The Bible tells us if you confess your sins, he is quick to forgive those sins. He is gentle towards you. And it also tells us that if you confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart, that you experience salvation. So Jesus saves you. A prayer doesn't save you, but I want to give you an opportunity to confess him as Lord. So if you're here today and you've never given your life, gone all in and surrendered your life to Jesus with all of our heads bowed, I would love for you to just lift your hand in the room and just say, that's me. I know I need what Jesus has to offer. I know I need to surrender my life. I know I need to come in right relationship with him and just right where you're at, just lift your hand and just say, that's for me. I see a hand Yeah, just right where you're at. Yep, I see you. And Again, just a moment between you and God. I see you. Yeah, just say, Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done for me. This moment is when I realize who I am in relationship to who you are. And I've never been more grateful for your life and for your death and for your resurrection. Everything that I'm not in my own strength, all of my brokenness and sin, I just hand that over to you. And in exchange, God, would you give me over to a life, an eternal life, and in a right relationship with God, but also an abundant life now. Would you lead me by your spirit now to become more like you, to become more like love and joy and peace and patience? God, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Help me to, help me to put on the fruit that we've been talking about in this series. Holy Spirit, you'd lead me through that. And God, I pray the same thing for our church. Grow us in the area of gentleness. Help us to become great witnesses for you. God, I pray for revival in our church. I pray for revival in our homes. I pray for revival in our marriages, that we would lean into this fruit of the Spirit, grow and put on what we've heard about, practice the art of, of gentleness in our marriages and with our children and with our coworkers. And then just watch the profound impact that takes place on people. They're going to lean in more. They're going to desire what we're about as the people of God. I pray for, I pray for Holy spirit for you, for you to do what only you can do and reveal all the opportunities that we have to grow in this fruit. Lord, we love you. We celebrate you today. It's in Jesus name. We pray. Amen.